Welcome to The Rev Up, the podcast where we talk about all things revenue growth. Um, Today on the podcast, we have a sort of special solo edition. I hope that's okay with everybody. No guests today. Uh, I recently spoke at the um, Focus Forum for October for a business networking community called NIA in the US. Um, really, really great business networking community. We are heavily involved with them in the US. If you are in the USA listening to this, I uh, I suggest you go and check out Network in Action um, or NIA as they're better known. Uh, one of our staff members is actually a member of one of their networking groups in Texas. Uh, I recently spoke at their focus forum, um, which is essentially a gathering of a bunch of their members online uh, to talk about really how do you build how do you build solid, cost-effective teams in the modern business environment? Uh, particularly, how do you build them using offshore resources uh, to create, you know, cost efficiency? Uh, what things should you look at? What things shouldn't you? How should you structure teams? All this sort of stuff. And so, I really wanted to essentially take that exact same content and be able to share it with everybody on this show. Uh, and so, that is exactly what I'm going to do today. This is a video version of the podcast. I will do my best to not refer too much to slides so that this is consumable through the podcast platforms, uh, but ultimately you can also go to YouTube to check it out. Uh, the podcast, The Rev Up, as always, is brought to you by Trust the Process, uh, where we are wrapping up season one of our podcasts, both Military Mindset for Business and The Rev Up. Uh, we will be back early next year we're going to do two or three more podcasts this year i'll be back early next year with essentially a really different format to our podcasting we're going to focus on essentially creating more educational outcomes take people through a series from point a through to point z of how to uh, in the case of the rev up how to build a revenue growth engine that can scale and that can succeed. And in the case of military mindset for business, uh, how to take military concepts and apply them into business in order to create a scalable business that can operate without you. Um, we'll be taking much more of an educational approach. Lots of um, lots of templates and downloadables and these sorts of things in order to be able to help you go ahead and implement the things that are learned in the show. Um, Trust the Process is an outsourcing offshoring business, also a HubSpot implementation partner. You can go and check us out at ttprocess.co uh, and fill in any form there and you can set up some time to speak with one of our team if you want help with either of those things. So let's dive straight into it. I am going to take you guys through essentially... Um, going to take you guys through how to use outsourcing as a tool for growth, right? Uh, I'm not just going to talk about outsourcing. I'm actually going to talk about um, building teams and structuring teams, uh, how to really think about your business in terms of uh, structure, in terms of teams, in terms of the types of work you need to get done, and in terms of how you need to um, be able to effectively delegate and apply cost-effective resources to the right tasks. So. Let's talk about a few things first and foremost. These are the things we're going to cover. Why it's so hard to find great help. 
number one. Number two, how to structure teams in order to be able to scale your business. Number three, uh, getting out of the weeds to work on your business, not just in it. Uh, I know a lot of people that listen to this show uh, are regularly dragged into the day-to-day. And so obviously we want to be able to help them elevate out of that, um, delegate in order to elevate. Uh, And four, what's really the difference? Uh, When should we look at having tasks in-house versus outsourced? When should they be onshore versus offshore? Offshoring and outsourcing being two different things. You can outsource onshore and you can outsource offshore. So let's get stuck into number one. Why it's so hard to find great help, right? Um, Just in terms of the raw statistics and these statistics, if those of you are watching on YouTube, um, will see a graph in front of you that essentially says that the total volume of job openings in the United States uh, between 2021 and today has significantly increased. Back at the beginning of 2021, you're talking about 6,500, 6,800 jobs um, posted. Uh, Then in the sort of peak of crazy tech growth and all the other things, we were up around the 12,000 mark. We've dipped back down again, but still close to that sort of 10,000 mark. So roughly you know, almost double the amount of positions or, you know, 40% more positions available than there were uh, a couple of years earlier, which means that the talent pool um, has more competition, right? We are competing with more jobs. They have more opportunities. There are more options. uh, And so it is much harder to find good people because there are more opportunities for them. That's point number one. And these stats actually track to Australia. It is a very, very similar scenario. Uh, Lots of our friends in the recruitment world will tell you exactly the same thing. Uh, The competition for talent has been massively increased. It's certainly gotten better in the last probably six months or so um, and is continuing to improve as there are less and less jobs being posted. Uh, but still definitely a considerable challenge versus, you know, 2019, 2020, 2021. Uh, The second thing is rising costs, right? Wages have gone up significantly. Again, these are US statistics, but the Australian ones track pretty much identically. The major markets track pretty much identically. If you only go back to uh, 2018, you know, you're talking about an average salary close to $60,000 only uh, two years later. That is well in the high 70s. Uh, These are USD. Similar sorts of things in Australia. If you're talking about the average salesperson in Australia, you're well into the 80s and 90s. um, These track. So greater competition for talent, rising costs. The talent that we are getting is costing us much more money. What we where we used to take a risk on a person coming out of university and pay them 40, 45,000, 50,000, we're now paying those staff 70, 75, $80,000. It is nuts. It is very difficult. Um, it is harder to find margins in, in the work being produced by people. Third, I think this is really the key is that actually a lot of the problem is not just in finding great talent. A lot of the problem is actually in retaining that talent. And, you know, we are an outsourcing business and so we get to see 
how our clients interact with staff members on a daily basis, right? Hundreds of clients working with with staff in the Philippines. Um, and so we get to see the outcomes. We get to see what people are doing well, what people are not doing well, uh, and what really makes the biggest difference. And the truth is that um, who's behind all of my staffing problems? In many cases, it is us as business owners, right? Um and in many cases, it is as much about the structure that we bring people into as it is the culture. Um, and so for me, one of the big lessons is um, most businesses, when they bring new staff members in, actually lack definition, you know, poorly defined or undefined job roles. What, I- what even is the job, especially in smaller businesses where we're so used to kind of doing everything ourselves and slowly handing things out to people. They come in to do a job and, you know, it's all over the place. Lots of different tasks that aren't necessarily related. Too many things to remember. Um, poorly defined or undefined reporting structure. Like who do they report to? Who is their boss? Now all of a sudden there's two or three people telling them what to do who are telling them different things at different times. Oh, don't listen to them. Oh, no, this is more important. You know, that that whole um, who is my boss piece is actually really critical, especially when you hire offshore, having somebody internal uh, who is responsible, who is the champion for that person who that person reports to is is super important. Um, poorly defined or undefined objectives and expectations, right? What is the goal of this role? What does good work look like, right? What do I expect from you? Because if people don't know what is expected of them or what good looks like, they'll do their version of good and then you're not happy with them, but they think they're doing a good job and all of a sudden we're butting heads and people that we thought were good early leave the business uh, terribly and burn bridges and we get all these staff frustrations and it's really just like a misalignment on what good even is. Um, poorly defined or undefined processes, this is probably one of the biggest ones, you know, especially if you're talking about outsourcing. And look, everything where you don't do it is ultimately outsourcing. When you go to a restaurant and have somebody cook for you, you are outsourcing your food preparation, right? As soon as you have somebody come into your business and you uh, send a task out to them, you have to remember the rule. Never outsource a problem, always outsource a process, right? And that goes the same for internal staff that you hire onshore. What is it that they're going to be doing in terms of the process? What are the steps they need to take so that they know how to do a good job of performing that process? Um, and really the major problem with all of this is we go into it, we hire people, we onboard them with hopes and dreams. <laughs> I hope they'll work out. I hope they'll figure it out. Oh, sink or swim, you know. Um, it's not that difficult to figure out all of these sorts of things that we say, we hear people say and we say to ourselves. Um, we go into it with hope and hope is not a strategy. The last thing I really want to talk about on this front is essentially about um, how we go about assigning tasks to people. What is delegation really, right? What actually is it? (laughs) Um, We keep getting told we have to delegate. When we do, things go wrong, right? I always hear um, business owners and entrepreneurs and founders and senior executives saying, oh, it's just easier if I do it. (laughs) It's faster if I do it. Um, This is because we typically don't actually delegate. Lots of people really ultimately do what you might call abdication. 
right? We hire somebody to solve a problem and leave them to do so. Um, I really, really enjoy this way of thinking about the difference. And this actually comes from um, the E-Myth. Um, for any of you out there who have not read the E-Myth and you are a business owner, founder, entrepreneur, uh, highly recommend it's an absolute essential. Um, but essentially what they talk about is the difference between delegation and abdication. If we monitor but we don't support, we are ultimately micromanaging, right? We check in, we don't give them any guidance, but we check in every now and again, we look at their results and we tell them they're doing a bad job or they're doing a good job, right? Monitor, no support equals micromanage. And I've added a few extra little flurries here beyond the, uh, the e-myth elements. If some of this is new to you and you've read that, uh, I've added a couple of extra pieces. Um, if you don't support and you don't monitor, you have ultimately abdicated, right? I don't want to deal with this. This is now your problem. I'll come back to you later. And if you haven't solved my problem, I'll find somebody else who can. If you support, but you don't monitor, you are empowering, right? I would say this is the, the second best option. It's better that you at least teach people how to do things and support them in the doing of those things so that they can really learn, right? Um, but ultimately, delegation is that we support and we monitor. We teach people how to do things. We check in with them. We make sure that they've got everything that they need. We support them in the delivery of those tasks while they learn, while they get better, while they improve, right? But we also monitor. We also hold them accountable to the results and the actions and the processes and the tasks and the deliverables and all of these things, right? Those two things together is what true delegation is. And when we do that, when we truly delegate, we support, we monitor, then we actually create success for people, right? And you will hear so many people say, oh, I don't want to be a micromanager. I don't want to teach people how to suck eggs. I don't want to be over their shoulder all of the time, right? And true delegation is actually the only way to truly properly support somebody's growth and somebody's capability and them delivering. If we don't hold people accountable in the short term, on the week to week, fortnight to fortnight, month to month, and we just check in with them once every three months to monitor, and they've done poorly, it's really hard for them to dig back out of that hole, right? So monitor and don't support, you're micromanaging. Don't support, don't monitor, you've abdicated. Support, don't monitor, you've empowered. But support and monitor, you've delegated and you give people the best chance to succeed. So... We've talked a, bit, a little bit about why is it so hard to find good people and ultimately actually we've talked a bit about how to, how, why it's so hard to keep good people, right? It's no good to just find them if you don't also keep them, right? You have an endless supply of great people and if you don't keep any of them, what's the point? I mean, I'm sure there's going to be loads of people listening to this podcast who have had that hire, the hire that came into the business and they were like so excited about them on the first day, the first week, the first month. Oh, this person is great. They've got a great attitude, they get things, they're picking things up quickly, and they just seem to slowly fall off a cliff over time. And we get five, six months in and we're like, this person's a freaking nightmare. I'll tell you right now, really, really important look in the mirror moment. If that happens to you all the time or regularly, the problem is not the people that you are hiring. I'm so sorry to tell you. The problem is probably you, right? 
it's an important moment to look in the mirror. If everybody is always a problem, I'm sorry, but sometimes the problem is us, right? If you have those problems, there's probably a management, a leadership problem, a direction problem, a certainty problem, um, a, d a definition problem in a lot of cases. So let's talk about structuring teams, right? Um, lots of lots of businesses can't seem to get beyond the first few hires before feeling burned out, right? Um, that's because they're doing or managing everything and their business really lacks structure. There's a lot of different ways that you can think about structuring your business. Um, you know, if you look at the E-Myth, if you look at uh, Gino Wickman and Traction, if you look at a whole bunch of these books that really are these management systems for small business, you'll see a really common theme that they tend to break into four to six different departments and definitions. I like to think of it in terms of five different areas uh, with a couple of underlying elements, right? And so for me, um, each business has seven functions, right? You have marketing. This is where you create demand in your market, right? You create demand for people that uh, have a problem, for people that need a problem solved, right? And for people to understand how to go about solving that problem. Um, you capture demand in marketing. For people who already know that they have a problem and are already seeking a solution to that problem, you also want to be able to talk to them, right? Create demand, capture demand. You have sales. This is where you take that demand that you've created and captured and you convert it. Once you have converted that demand, you now move into the back office and operational delivery uh, elements of your business. Um, you know, the, the elements post-sale that really are important in order for your business to be able to function properly. Uh, and so the first of those for me is service. How do we deliver on our service? How do we deliver on our product? Um, so that our customers not only have a great onboarding and a great start, they have a great start with us and they get to their first wins quickly. Um, we help them succeed through our service delivery, uh, as well as, you know, obviously customer complaints and queries and all of those extra pieces. Um, we then have the operations that is the underbelly, the backbone of the whole business, things like log logistics and returns and reporting and all of those bits and pieces, administration. Um, and we also then have finance. We obviously have to be able to count the money, make sure we have enough in order to be able to pay our bills and pay our employees uh, and have some money left over in order to be able to make some profits and invest in future growth. As we all know, growth sucks cash. If you don't have good financial management, you will never be able to grow. Um, underpinning these two things for me are ultimately technology. What are the platforms and the systems that ultimately um, in a modern business help to sew everything together and make sure you have a really good understanding of data uh, and really good access to customer information and automations and all of those sorts of things. Uh, and underpinning all of that, you should always use technology first and automate where you can, but then ultimately you will need people. Uh, we have a belief at Trust the Process, which is that business is a fundamentally human experience that should be enabled and enhanced through technology rather than replacing it um, and so the people part to me is ultimately the last part people plug the gaps and help sew all of the processes systems technologies together 
right? So these are the sort of seven areas that we need to understand. If we organize our business into these areas, we start to create an environment where we can successfully delegate, right? To me, business is kind of a series of boxes, <laughs> right? Um, which brings me to the point around getting out of the weeds, okay? So business to me is a series of boxes. You have your five areas of business that make up um, the that make up one of the axes. You then have the three levels of leadership, right? The three levels of sorry, the three levels of um, of your team members, right, within your business. And this is uh, again another thing that comes from the E myth. You have the technicians who do the work, the people at the coalface who are actually doing the things that happen day to day in order to deliver for your customers. Uh, you have the managers who manage the work being done, oversee and lead the delivery of the processes and the people. And you have the entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs ultimately are the ones at the top who are building assets that can operate without them, right? That's their job. So if you think of it in terms of these, if you think of it in terms of these five uh, areas of business and these three levels that you can operate at, you ultimately end up with a series of boxes, right? Your job as you scale is to actually completely remove yourself from some of these boxes, right? Um, every business goes through this phase where ultimately they shift. The business owner shifts from being the most important, most valuable resource to being its most annoying little bottleneck, right? Because everything has to run through them. I have to make every decision, decide on every dollar being spent, every new hire, blah, 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 right? We are in all of the freaking boxes, okay? And so what happens is, what I see so many people do is they take themselves a little bit out of a box, right? They hire a graphic designer and social um, staff member for their technician box of their marketing. So still they're actually doing a lot of the technician work, right? But they're not doing a little bit of it. And so actually it doesn't really totally create any additional simplicity in their world. Our goal as much as possible is to completely remove ourselves from one box at a time and try and elevate ourselves up out of the technician work, right? So if we can completely remove ourselves out of the marketing technician role, right? Lots of little fiddly work that somebody else, let's be honest, marketing is um, is a varied skill. There's a lot of individual specializations required in order to do great marketing. Nobody can be a 10 out of 10 in all things marketing these days. Uh, so as an example, if you can remove yourself out of that marketing technician box, and spend more of that time you were spending there in another area that is of high value to the business. Like, I'll give you an example. If you are a, actually a really good salesperson, right? Not all entrepreneurs are. Some of you absolutely freaking hate it. Um, if you're a really good salesperson and you're spending time doing thumbnails for Instagram posts, my lord, 
spend your time somewhere that's going to make you some more money, right? Pull yourself out of that technician work and put yourself into the sales role more, right? Spend your time where you are at your highest and best use, where you're at your most valuable, right? So picking which box you want to remove yourself from and appropriately resourcing it so that you can, this is where we can create the most amount of value. And, you know, if you're one of our co-founders, Pete Liston, uh, who runs our Military Mindset for Business podcast, uh, will often say to people, are you sitting around your kitchen table at night doing your bookkeeping, right? If you are an entrepreneur who is sitting around their kitchen table doing their bookkeeping, right, that's a task you can get done for $13, $14, an hour, right? Is it worth spending a few hundred dollars a month just as one individual task, right, to remove that, spend more time with your family, have more energy so that you can get up the next day and call all of those leads that you haven't been following up, all those quotes that you haven't followed up, uh, to bring more business through, of course it is, right? Figure out which of the boxes you can elevate yourself out of and delegate so that you have more time for, more time for higher value things, right? Then one of the other big pieces of the puzzle is who do I delegate to, right? And look, you can go and talk to 100 different outsourcing businesses some of them will tell you yeah send us absolutely everything anything and everything we'll do it all we can do all of it perfectly and um look i've spoken to enough people over the years that have had experiences in outsourcing to be able to tell you not everything works not everything's perfect um, there's plenty of things that i would suggest you do offshore and outsource and there's plenty of things that i would suggest that you keep in-house or onshore and so we'll talk about a few of those um, I think ultimately, I believe from my experience, ultimately the perfect, the best option, the most consistently valuable, consistently effective option is that you actually want to combine in-house and outsourced, right? So if we're looking at, for example, the difference between agencies, um, onshore outsourced, offshore outsourced agencies ultimately deliver an outcome when you go to a marketing agency, you're asking them to deliver you leads, for example. Um, onshore outsourcing uh, can be effective, ultimately only really where there is a super high degree of uh, economies of scale or where you are outsourcing to somebody who has a super high level skill that you cannot hire in-house. Uh, and I say this because onshore outsourced, the outsource is always going to need a margin. Um, and so what a person of that caliber would cost you to hire internally, uh, they're going to cost you more through an outsourcing agency or an outsourced environment of some sort, right? Um, you don't always have the choice, uh, but and I've certainly seen a lot of people succeed with onshore outsourcing. Uh, but if you can get the person in-house, you're almost always going to get them cheaper. Um, offshore outsourcing um, obviously has some of its own complications, particularly cultural, social norms, management, remoteness, language, loads and loads and loads of different pieces. Uh, ultimately, if you're going to go offshore, you are looking for a couple of things. Right, you are ultimately looking for cost savings, or you are looking for uh, access to high-level skill. Right, 
So um, hiring onshore might completely remove you from a level of skill set for a particular role. Uh, I talk about this example all the time, but one of our clients, um, ProFinish, uh, you can see their success story on our website. Um, they essentially uh, used offshoring in order to be able to access uh, civil engineers, you know, fully qualified civil engineers with experience to be able to do drafting and, um, and uh, estimating. Right. If you hired people of the, of that qualification and that level of experience onshore, it would be completely unaffordable in order to be able to do the work. But when you do it offshore, you don't just get a cost saving. Actually, you can get an elevated um, capability. Right. Important to be uh, thoughtful and creative in these things. Um, but for me, whichever way you go, ultimately the trick in all cases is hybrid. Right. Um, especially for small to medium sized businesses. Uh, is to delegate and never abdicate when it comes to outsourcing, right? The ownership and management must be internal. Uh, it doesn't have to be you, but there does need to be an owner responsible for the outcome. As soon as you outsource the outcome, your internal people, including you, will start to make excuses for why they are not responsible for what's happening which means you don't get the result that you want and that does not work for anybody. You have to have an internal champion. You have to have a person who manages and owns the relationship. Even if you are talking about a marketing agency, right, where you've brought them in because they've got the skills and they're going to manage the process and they're going to build your campaigns and all those things, who ultimately is managing them? Because that person internally has to be as responsible for the outcome as the external provider. If you build this hybrid model, in-house accountability, management, and ownership with an outsourced uh, onshore-offshore agency um, solution, you will almost always get a, a much better outcome, right? Um, whichever option you go for, there are ultimately five rules I find are essential for success. I talked about this one earlier. Um, never outsource a problem, <laughs> number one. Uh, if you have a problem, you don't know how to do something or something is not working and you send it external from your business, which, by the way, is very different from bringing an external consultant in, right? But you throw that outside and say, hey, can you fix that for me? You'll almost always get a bigger problem, right? Almost always. Uh, number two do outsource systems, systems and processes. If you have a process that is already working, right, maybe not even perfectly, but it is getting some results and you take that process and you provide it to somebody else who is then going to deliver on that process to as good or maybe better uh, KPIs and outcomes that you're going to expect from them, then you'll get efficiencies, right? Outsource systems, outsource processes, you get efficiencies. Number three, Always have targets and a management plan. What are we expecting to get out of this and who is responsible for the delivery of it internally, uh, which we just talked about before, obviously. Number four, there is no such thing as set and forget with outsourcing or offshoring. Just because you built it, even if you built a system specifically for this, right? There's no such thing as set and forget. It is a constant process of iteration, feedback, management, improvement right? 
If you are trying to stay still in business because everybody else is going forward, you will almost always be going backwards. Uh, and number five, as I said before, go hybrid. Internal and external. Pair the two things together. Make sure there's internal ownership. So how do I decide which things? What should you offshore? What should you send to an outsourcing agency? Um, ultimately for me, um, the goal here is that we have to understand the difference between the things that are strategically important to our business and the things that are not, okay? I'll give you an example of this. If you are an e-commerce business and you have absolutely no idea about how your website works or how, your, uh, or how to manage and improve your conversion rates uh, or how SEO works or how your ads work, right? Um, Pricing, <laughs> call to actions, product descriptions, right? If you're just going like set and forget on your website uh, and you don't have any of these, this knowledge internally, if you're not an internal expert on the platform that your e-commerce store sits on, say you're a, a Shopify customer, those are intensely strategic important skills and capabilities to that type of business. Those are the sorts of things, right, that I want to keep as close to me as possible. If you are an e-commerce business, bookkeeping maybe not quite as strategically important, still really important to get right, um, but not super strategically important and not really a super highly uh, technical skill, right? And so the difference here is how difficult is the thing to do and how strategically important is it? If it is not massively strategically important and not a massively technical skill, then you should absolutely look to offshore it, right? Build a simple system, make some Loom videos about it, you know, screen captures of showing how to do it, send it offshore, pay significantly less to get it done. If it is super strategically important, but it's low technical skill, sometimes you might look to to outsource that but onshore you might not always outsource but you typically look to do that onshore if it is high technical skill low strategic importance then you might use an agency so let's say for example you are an accounting practice right you might use a marketing agency high technical skill in order to be able to do a good job of it and you could argue that marketing is strategically important massively to all businesses, but for you to deliver a great service for your customers, it's not massively important for you to be an expert in all things marketing. So marketing for an accounting business might be an example where you will use an agency. If it's massively strategically important and it is high technical skill, then you absolutely should keep it in-house. You have to learn those skills. You have to learn those capabilities. You have to hire them internally. You have to own the processes. You have to own the improvement. You have to own the data. It's all got to be inside because it's so important and it's something that's not going to be easily replaced, right? And this is one of the problems that I see a lot of businesses go through is that they send something massively strategically important to an agency and later 
when things don't work out with that agency, the agency takes all of the IP with them, right? All of the in-depth knowledge of what works and what doesn't, and you start from scratch again, and they get these massive dips in revenue, right? So strategically important and high technical skill, learn that shit. High technical skill, low strategic importance, maybe you send it out to an agency. Uh, High strategic importance, low technical skill, you might onshore it, you might also keep it just in-house, to be honest. Uh, And low strategic importance, low technical skill. And when I say low, you know, 50% we're talking, 5 out of 10, uh, send it offshore, right? Save yourself some money, save yourself some heartache, increase your profits. Every dollar you don't spend is a dollar that lands uh, in the profit. Which brings me back to, here are some of the areas that you can evaluate for outsourcing, right? So if I'm looking at marketing, within the area of marketing, uh, your social media management and posting, your graphic design, your video editing, your management of your email campaigns. You might be doing newsletters. You might be doing, uh, you know, fairly significant EDM campaigns, things like that. Uh, Website development. If you have a strategically important asset in your website, uh, like e-commerce, et cetera, you probably need consistent ongoing development. Things like SEO, things like ads, right? All things that you can outsource. Uh, In sales. You can outsource the qualification of your inbound leads. You can outsource proposals and estimating and quotes and tenders, all these sorts of things. Um, You can, depending on the product, you can outsource things like account management and sales. I wouldn't suggest necessarily that if you have a technical product that you do 100% of the sales process offshore, wherever offshore happens to be, right? You need local context for some of that stuff. Service, right? Onboarding of customers, surveys, contracting, uh, scheduling of appointments, uh, customer queries and complaints, all of this sort of stuff you can do. Uh, And in operations, things like logistics management, returns, reporting, administration, and finance, things like bookkeeping, accounting, collections, accounts receivable, payable. Uh, All of these things can be outsourced, they can be offshored. Then I would also say, from a technology perspective, technology is one of the areas where I would absolutely almost always try and get somebody external to come in and help me with it. Um, At Trust the Process, we are HubSpot implementation partners, uh, but we would, when implementing a technical solution, a piece of software that we don't understand, go and speak to an expert, right? So technology is an area where you, if you do it poorly, it won't get used properly and your investment will be wasted. And if you do it well, quite often it'll be the thing that spurs your business to future growth. So those are the areas. Some of those things, if anyone out there is thinking about any of those things in terms of offshoring, uh, the easiest thing to do is you can just run on over to ttprocess.co. Uh, on that homepage, you'll see two buttons. One says, Uh, book a CRM demo and one says get a quote for outsourcing. Uh, If you click on either of those, they will take you to a form that you fill out that you can then book a time uh, to speak with one of our team, right? Uh, Our team will then help you to 
map out your needs and we'll provide you with advice and a solution for how you can go ahead uh, if it makes sense to do so. Obviously, all of that is absolutely no obligation. But as far as I'm concerned, for the majority of businesses out there, offshoring is going to be an absolute essential. The way, uh, the way profits have been squeezed significantly through inflation and rising costs of staff and all of these sorts of things is really having a huge impact. And anybody really not looking at it, I would hope, has a really good reason why uh, it's not part of their plans. Uh, for the most part, when you go offshore, particularly somewhere like the Philippines, you end up somewhere between a quarter and a half of the uh, of the cost of an onshore staff member. Now, I just want to be really super clear about this. The goal is not for us to take jobs from Australia and put them somewhere else. Good, profitable businesses that can grow can hire more Australians to do more work. Businesses that have no profitability and fail and go under can hire zero people. And we have to, have to, have to take care of the bottom line if we have any chance of taking care of our people, being able to afford the pay rises that they are all constantly asking for now, right? So it's an essential part for most businesses. I would suggest, as I said, jump to ttprocess.co uh, or have a look for me. Ben Shipley, Chief Growth Officer at Trust the Process on LinkedIn. You can reach out and message me directly. Um, but otherwise, that's it from another episode of The Rev Up. I hope you enjoyed. Um, the Rev Up, as always, as I said before, is brought to you by ttprocess.co. Trust the Process. Uh, if you need any help with your offshoring, with your technology, particularly HubSpot, uh, come and have a chat to us. Uh, and as I said, we've got two or three episodes left of the rev up before the end of the year. We are then going to take a short hiatus and come back to you with a super exciting new season, uh, a season that is essentially going to take you from A to Z in terms of how to build a growth engine within your business that can help you scale to the next level. We are going to have some amazing guests on, some amazing uh, guests with really, really deep uh, subject matter expertise around some of these elements, things like um, outbound calling and lead generation, things like uh, things like demand capture through your website, uh, what sorts of approach you need to take to things like SEO, what sort of approach you need to take to things like your sales process and hiring sales teams, all of those individual pieces that make up an entire the entirety of a growth engine through creating demand, capturing demand, converting demand, and then delivering and growing with your customers. We're going to have some of the best, the very best in the world talking about that along with uh, me, your host, Ben Shipley, in the next season of The Rev Up. So stick around with us for the next few episodes uh, and massively, massively looking forward to that next season and hope to talk to some of you soon about offshoring. Come and have a chat. Speak to you soon.